How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of the Future Film Podcast. This is your host, uh, Robert Fitzhugh, uh, from the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival. Uh, this week, we are talking to John Woosley, uh, filmmaker from Kansas City, who has directed Alex and the Firefly and his upcoming Mason and Jay Save the World. Uh, really good chat with John, uh, really covering kind of what it's like to kind of emerge back into filmmaking uh, after a number of years and to use a phone as a filmmaking device. We also get a little bit into uh, Amazon Prime and how to get your stuff shown on Amazon Prime and of course crowdfunding and how difficult or how easy that might be. Uh, it's a really, really good chat um, and I learned tons from it, particularly around the Amazon stuff, uh, which is something I think I'll be I'll be, uh, I'll be taking advantage of uh, further down the line. But uh, check it out and uh, hope you enjoy. Hey, John. Hey, how are you? Not too bad. How are you getting on? Doing well. Good, good. Welcome to my festive-themed background. I thought I'd mix it up this time a little bit. Uh, so it. I set it up somewhere else. And I have a massive light with no diffuser, so I had to move it away because it's blinding me. Um, how's things with you? Doing well, doing well. Where in the world are you calling in from? So I'm in Kansas City. Uh, nice. I'm a, yeah, Kansas. Yeah, nice. And the time is there? Yeah, it's about 11.30 in the morning. Okay, so you're up bright and early. It's about 5.30 here and it's pitch black, so it could be any time of the day. Uh, how are things with you? How are things going in the world of um, smartphone filmmaking? Great, yeah. Uh, we're just in uh, post-production on uh, a little movie called Mason and Jay Save the World. Is this, um, now, is this a feature or is this a short? It's a short. It's yeah. going to be about a, about a 10 minute short. Nice, because you sent over footage. Actually, if you just want to get, if you just want to kind of let people know what it's about, and then um, first and foremost, and then uh, I'll go and kind of go into it. So, what is sure. Mason Jade Save the World all about? Yeah, it's about uh, two brothers, uh, about you know, ten and twelve years old. They steal their father's drone, take it for a joyride, and when flying around the neighborhood, they discover a dark secret in the neighborhood and have to decide what to do about it. And I'm assuming this is based on true story. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Where did the ID come from? Um, so I was just kind of looking around uh, my, yeah, you know, I've got an office here in my basement. And yeah. I was, uh, you know, I had just finished a movie called Alex and the Firefly. And I was, you know, wanting to kind of write something new. And I was looking around, you know, I just read this great book called uh, Like Brothers by the Duplass Brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind yeah. of their autobiography. And I was, you know, I was looking around my basement. And I was like, what what object do I have that I can make a movie out of? And I looked mm -hmm. over in the corner and I've got a drone sitting over there. And I was like, ah, oh, perfect. There's got to be a story about a drone that I can use. And the Like Brothers book was kind of inspirational for, you know, uh, you know, about two brothers and sibling rivalry and that sort of thing. And. Nice. That's kind of where the idea came from. And uh, you sent me on a clip, another film's not released, you sent me on a clip which had an incredible yeah. effect um, in it. Uh, did you, because you do, are you shooting, what are you shooting it on, first and foremost? So we shot the film on uh, iPhone XS. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, all the drone footage was from uh, Phantom 4. And how are you doing the effects? Because the effect looked really cool. I don't want to go into what it is, but it looks very yeah, cool. Thanks. And thanks. I leaned forward at the screen and I was like, how the hell did you do that? Because it looks, that that's computer generated, yeah? I don't know, is it? Because <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a physical object. Yeah, doesn't it look great? Yeah, um, it looks like yeah, something so, sitting in someone's back garden. So. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a visual effects artist who did all the visual effects for us. Um, he did them in After Effects. Oh, nice. And how long does it take you to your post-production now? How long, to, how long did the whole shoot take? Uh, we shot it in two days, one weekend. 
Oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, no, because it just, uh, how do you find, like, so you, Lightning Lighthouse Pictures, am I correct? Yeah, Lighthouse yeah. Limited. Yeah. Lighthouse Limited, yeah. that's your production company? Production it studio? Is. Yeah, and you, yep. you're, you're doing everything on phones. Uh, yeah, so starting with the last film that we did. Yeah. Um, so Alex and the Firefly. So that was the first actual, like, short film I'd made in about, I don't know, almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I hadn't made a movie in a while and, you know, I was just kind of browsing the internet one day a couple of years ago and started reading about like Tangerine and, um, this BMW commercial that was shot on an iPhone. And like, I had the same kind of inspiration that I got, mm -hmm. like when I first started making movies, which was when like digital cameras came out yeah. and mini DV tapes and all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, it really makes me want to get out there and like make another movie. And I just love what's possible um, with the camera, with the device. So for, for nice. me, as of right now, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. I mean, that would be kind of my angle, if you will, is I'll make movies on my iPhone. Yeah, but it's cool as well because it's accessible. Like, I don't know, what was your backstory before you, when you originally got into film, where were you a student and you were looking to study film and you were making film and then kind of drifted away from it or... Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'd always been interested in it. I started making movies when I was like 12 years old, yeah. um, studied film in undergrad, and then I went to um, film school for a year and then decided, okay, I don't want to be a starving artist. So yeah, I kind of started enough. doing some other things and, um, you know, kind of got away from it a little bit. And then just gradually a couple of years ago, I started getting back into it. And does the idea um, of like picking up your phone make it seem a little bit kind of easier, less kind of a a hurdle to kind of, you know, where you got to go when you're thinking of equipment for me personally, when I'm thinking of equipment and stuff like that, you used to have my camera. I'd be like, Oh, but with my sure. phone, I'm a little bit more likely to, to launch into something because I kind of know that I don't need as much gear or not that I'm, or maybe that I don't need as much gear, but maybe I'm under the illusion that I don't need as much gear because it's such yeah. a tiny device. And then I start it and then I realize I need more as I go. But right. For me, it was more about the challenge of it because it's actually more challenging mm. in some ways to, to shoot on a, on, on an iPhone, then it would be just to get like a professional camera and like a, you know, all this other stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it's, the technology is more unproven, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're trying to get a certain result, the same kind of results you could get with a, you know, like a red camera or something like that. Right. Mm. You need, there's just so much additional technical know-how. So it's, it is in some ways more challenging, which to me was exciting to try to do. Yeah, that. I suppose you, you have all those limitations and you've got to kind of figure out how to work within them uh, right. to come up with something that's kind of on par or that looks Particularly consistency, I find sometimes is, is, is a struggle uh, from shot to shot, but that's an art in itself of figuring that out. But like, what yeah. was the your first film, Alex and the Firefly, how long... Like, what was the process for that, that you started getting that set up and ready to go? And that's 15 minutes long, if I remember correctly. I watched it. So, um, Yeah, so the cut, the cut I sent you is 15. There's a 33-minute mm -hmm. version. Oh, okay. It's more of like a TV pilot, and that's on Amazon Prime in the that's US and yeah. UK. Yeah. So, um, you know, your viewers can, can check that out now. Um, so it's about 33 minutes. Um, so that one was a, a much longer process. For mm -hmm. I mean, we were shooting mostly like Fridays and weekends started shooting in like July of 2017. And I think we shot the last day in like November. Um, oh, wow. so it took a long time and then post yeah. took a long time as well. And, and that was a huge learning experience for me because yeah. I never shot on a phone before. Um, and so I, you know, I learned so much from doing that, that I was able to apply to this other film. Um, but post took a long time and it was part of the 
the uh, post-production took a long time because we did a lot of ADR. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a lot oh, of yeah. really, uh, really <laughs> shit audio that we had to fix. Were, and what was that? Was it, would, what was the reason for that, do you think? Is because you were learning as you go in terms of audio on a phone, or was it just you were outdoors and it was windy? <laughs> uh, it was all of you, above, and I was cheap yeah. and didn't hire a boom operator. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, fix it in post kind of a thing. So what and we did, and it was fine. How were you recording sound for it then? So on that, I had like a, one of those micro, like road micro minis just mm -hmm. mounted on the camera and it worked most of the time, but we did have some, um, very windy outdoor stuff and we shot some stuff in a park. And of course, you know, there's a lawnmower going and all yeah. that kind of stuff we had to, we had to, we had to loop, but turned yeah, out really good. you won't even notice. It's funny because uh, it's funny you sound is so funny because we shot a thing a couple of years ago and it was supposed to be a detective film and it was supposed to be set in the 1920s, you know, hard-boiled, black and white. We found this incredible set in Dublin. It was like a, it was an old building uh, from the early 1900s and it looked apart. And the minute we went to press uh, action on the first scene, there was a bar underneath us and it was like close to St. Patrick's Day. And they just started, and it was like 11 a.m. And they just started blasting uh, music. And they just blasted music for the entire shoot. And there was nothing we could do about it. It was a short, we were shooting one day. Uh, so we had to remove it all. But we thought we were absolutely screwed because we were like, it's this, this the music keeps changing. It's not even repetitive. It keeps changing in volume, stuff like that. But we managed to get rid of it. But it's just amazing what you can do. It just takes so much longer to go in and kind of tidy it all up as uh, particularly right. sound and you're screwed with sound if it's a bad visual you're okay but you're screwed with sound but um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was and like so you learned so much from that so how did yeah. you record sound on on the new one so we had a boom operator he had like uh <laughs> you know digital recorder with him and yeah we had to sync up all the sound later but so much easier nothing we had to adr uh lightsaber yeah. so <laughs> don't you were shooting don't you, skimp yeah. on sound yeah, that's that's a valuable lesson. Uh, do not skimp on sound. And um, I have a question though. You you said it's on Amazon Prime. I'm really interested in that process. Like yeah. to take your short or um, had you the 33 minute? Had you designed it as a as a when you say you shot it and it was 33 minutes long? Had you designed it as in to make a series out of it, or was it always just going to be a once off? It was always going to be a once-off, but given the time that it was, it turned out to be about 34 minutes, it can mm -hmm. kind of work as a TV pilot. Yeah. Um, so that's we submitted it to a lot of festivals as uh, as a pilot. Um, yeah. And but what we found was that length is really hard for festivals to program, which you know yeah, we read I, about all the time, I, right? Yeah. And, and you, as a festival programmer, know that, right? I mean, it's, it's very it's, difficult. Yeah, I know. I don't. I remember. I, I just, sorry, just on a tangent. I met. A, I was. I met a guy at a class, and uh, he was like, "I want to make a short." And I was like, "Cool. What, what, what kind of running time are you hoping for?" And he was like, "I'm thinking like sixty minutes." And I was like, "Sixty? Well, you might as well just throw on an extra twenty, twenty-five, and go for a feature, or or cut it down to fifty minutes." But yeah, thirty-three is a funny time because you yeah. can't really. It's a, it's a difficult one to place somewhere. Like most yeah. of the stuff that I get to the festival is between, like we have a maximum 15 minutes in length, but we rarely get things that are 15 minutes in length anymore. And, and with the first time we ran the event, I was worried because within the first four months, most of the stuff we got was three to six minutes long. And I was concerned I wouldn't have enough content to program an entire event. So it's kind of trying to split that difference. But yeah, 33, I'd imagine, is a, is, a, is, a, is a weird number. And is that the pushback you were kind of getting? Was that your film was just a bit too not long I mean, enough that's, or not short enough? 
I mean, you don't really, you don't really know, right? There's not a lot of transparency in like why a film wasn't selected. Yeah. But I will tell you. So the 15 minute version came from um, I don't know if you know Susie Patello over at the San yeah, Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I sent the film to Susie and she's got you know time requirements too. It's either a feature that's over you know 50 minutes or 60 minutes or it's a short that's under 10. I'm like, well, look, we're kind of like right in the middle of this, but I think this is a really good movie. Yeah. And I'd like you to take a look at it. And she watched it and she's like, yeah, it's good. But, you know, one, I can't I can't show it because it doesn't meet the rules. But, you know, her advice was, I think there's a better movie in here that's 15 minutes long. If you can cut it to 15 minutes, we'll show it. We'll invite you as a special guest speaker and you can show show the film. And, you know, I push back. I'm like, no, it's this length for a reason. You know, there's no way to cut it. And, you know, after I got over myself, I went back (laughs) and we cut it down. And uh, my partner and I, like, we just cut the you know, cut the shit out of it. Uh, yeah. And every little thing we could, we got it down to 15 minutes. And it is, it is a, I, I do think it is, um, it's a different movie. It's certainly different than the 33 minute version, but yeah. it is a good movie and it and, works well. And, and then it got into more festivals after that with a short. Yeah. Length. I suppose that's the, that kill your darlings thing. I suppose that is the trade off, but yeah. from an audience right. perspective, if people really enjoy the 15 minute version, well then you've succeeded. I mean, even if it right. doesn't contain all the elements that you would like in it. Yeah. And did you have to cut like major plot stuff or was it just additional? It was, it was more of just there was probably one element we cut so in the 33 minute version um alex's father plays a, an important role in the story he's got mm-hmm. several scenes um and has an important kind of backstory i guess to the to the overall movie so yeah. we just cut all of that out um so you know in the 15 minute version you watched he's, he's not in there at all and you don't miss him because you don't know yeah, you don't know who he is so you, you don't know what you're missing right yeah exactly yeah that was part of it, what we cut. And then a lot of it, it was a lot of condensing, kind of moving around. Um, the scene that starts the movie, actually, um, in the 15-minute version, there's, you know, the two main characters are in the boys' bedroom. They yeah. have a quick chat. That scene actually isn't even in the 33-minute version. So we are actually able to take a scene that we deleted oh, nice. from the longer version and repurpose it to use in the shorter version to start the movie. So That's an art in itself when, when you have yeah. to kind of restructure and rethink everything from the ground up. Um, right. And how long did that whole process take to kind of rejig the whole thing? Not very long, maybe a couple of weeks. Nice. And I just, yeah. I'm very curious about the, the the Amazon process. Do you did you yeah. just shop that out to Amazon and shop that around and say, hey, listen, will you pick it up, or is there what's the process behind that? So I hate to give away the secret sauce, but actually, <laughs> <laughs> Amazon's has a Amazon has a video publishing platform cool. called Amazon Video Direct. And anyone can go on there, and as long as you've got a short that's been at a festival that's won awards, self-publish onto their platform um, in the that's U.S. Great. and U.K. So it's only two territories. Um, if you want more territories, you know, there's a bunch of aggregators out there that can get you on a bunch of different countries and things like that. Um, but it's a good way to, to get your film on no, it's a great. very that, notable platform. That's something that people listening would really would really uh, would really like because I, I always see people who get it on Amazon and stuff like that. I'm like, cool, you know, fair play. They they went out and they they think. But there is a it's it's impressive. Do you know what I mean? Just to say it, oh, my film's on Amazon Prime. Right. It's impressive. So yeah. to be able to kind of load that and to be able to have that thing is kind of great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I saw you had printed you had DVDs and everything. I was going through. Your, by the way, your social media is really really good. Oh, thank you. The, the one thing, so a, a lot of stuff I talk about, especially on this and at class and stuff, is about social media. And it's about um, kind of detailing the steps of everything. And I was looking at your social media for uh, Mason J, and I was able to yeah. 
and there's all these little things are covered. Do you know what I mean? Like even the, there was a cool one you had with the concept design art yeah. and the actual uh, finished product. And even seeing the two of those together, stuff like that is really, really good. It's really, really insightful. Um, mm-hmm. And it really gives you a complete picture of, of, of what was going on and what you were doing. Um, so yeah, that's why I thought it was cool. And I was going through it and I saw boxes of DVDs for Alex and Firefly and another one. I was like, oh, cool. So um, there's definitely a whole kind of, uh, image that comes with that when you have all those physical things, when you have this kind of detailed social media and stuff like that, and it really helps. I have a really good understanding of what your film is about and the effort that went into making it. And I think yeah. stuff like that is really, really, really important. And um, especially when it comes to like festivals and selling it and stuff like that, it gives people a really good insight right. into what it is. But um, have you, what, like, in terms of your kind of social media for Mason J, are you just kind of everything and anything or do you have a plan or did you sit down with a plan from the word go and say this is how i'm gonna <laughs> this not, not really no there's no plan it's just kind of you know let's put some something out there every few days um honestly we could do a lot more with it but there's just not enough time yeah it's um, funny when you're when you're making stuff it's you never think to actually do stuff like that i'd be i forget that yeah. a lot you know you're always it's always comes to you it's, that's why it's better to have someone there to do it for you almost so you don't have to think about it but um no i just thought it was really good and it's just something i was i was i talk a lot to students about it about sitting down and kind of having a, a coherent plan and even right. if you don't have a coherent plan laid out you understand what you're using it for and that's kind of to give people an insight into how it's done and stuff like that. And I thought it was really, really good. Um, In terms of like kind of, you don't have to give me figures and stuff like that, but in terms of like financing and stuff like that, do you, is there like a relatively large budget gone into Mason J or is it something that you're kind of doing on, on, on relatively inexpensive or, because it seems from the 15 minute, from the clip I watched, it seems like, you know, money has gone into it. It looks very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this. What would you think the budget was? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's so funny because when you take, when you use simple things like aerial shots and stuff like that from a drone, yeah. all of a sudden the production value rockets up and then you have that incredible right. good, of, then you have that incredible effect. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel okay. like you phrased that question <laughs> as if it's going to be relatively cheaper than I have in my head. But I would assume, given the amount of money I've spent on, short films that do not have the production value yours has, I would say it is, it is a little bit, it is, it is not cheap, cheap, we'll say. I would say okay. it's like a couple of grand, we'll say. Yeah, I think, okay, so our budget was about 5000 Okay, cool, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jeez, I've spent, I've spent more than that on stuff that does not look as good as that, so um, yeah. I spent more than that on crap I wouldn't show anybody, but, um, but, uh, <laughs> And I have a lot of crap I wouldn't join No, but I mean, that's, that's cool. Like, and do you find, is that yeah. self-finance yourself? Are you financing yourself? Are you off? Do you get people to help you? Or? So Alex and the Firefly, um, I self, self-financed that one. Yeah. Because I hadn't made a movie in a while. I'm like, who is going to actually give me money to do something that I haven't done in a while with, mm-hmm. you know, no real track record recently. Um, so I self-financed that one. And then the idea was, can I can I use this to motivate people to contribute to a crowdfunding campaign for a new movie? That's what um, I was going to ask you. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was able to, you know, help motivate some of the audience members. Um, and then, you know, obviously additional motivation for friends, family, and strangers to give money to this new campaign. So we did crowdfund, uh, we raised all the money for it. Um, so I, you know, I, I self-produced uh, Alex and the Firefly, just because, you know, I wanted to do it on my yeah. own and there wasn't really anyone I, I trusted locally to, 
to produce yeah, for yeah. me. But um, this one, I, I had um, a woman named Beth Wickman, who I've known for 10 plus years. She helped a lot in Alex and the Firefly, but she doesn't live in Kansas City, so she couldn't produce the movie just because of the long shooting schedule. Mm. But this one, we're going to do it over a weekend, so she was able to, to produce the yeah. film. And she's a fantastic producer. She produced uh, a couple of my other shorts uh, when I was in California. So she did a great job uh, managing the budget and just making sure all the eyes were dotted and yeah, yeah, were yeah. crossed. Still, yeah. Um, but it was important to us to, to use um, a SAG low budget agreement. Mm-hmm. It just raises the caliber of the actors you're able to get, especially mm-hmm. when you work in a market like Kansas City where you don't have access, access. to a huge talent pool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we worked with SAG and, you know, got some really good talent, I think, for the movie. And, and how did you find? Because I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious because I, I was always, I, I had thought about crowdfunding before in the past. And how did yeah. you find that whole process? Uh, it's, it's tough. Yeah, um, it's like a job in know, itself. I heard. If it you really is. And, yeah, yeah. And if you watch, um, like all the Seed and Spark videos, and that's who we went through, and you mm-hmm. watch their, um, you know, their tutorials, their podcasts, you read interviews with people that have done it. Everybody says like this is harder than making the movie in a lot yeah. of ways because it's it's full time you've got to post on social media all the time um and it's a lot of work and it really is uh and it's it's exhausting and how long did you run that for that was why how long was that campaign i think it was about 30 days and what's interesting though is we ran that we started the campaign after we shot the movie oh so, right <laughs> it was a little bit of a risk but at least at the same time we had some things we could already show hey like whether this you give us money or not, this is happening. Yeah. You know, we're going to make this thing happen. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of a risk, but it obviously. And was that a conscious, was that a conscious choice? Was it like, or was it just kind of like, we need a way to pay for this. We'll try this. Or was it like, we were always going to go down that road. Um, it was kind of a mix of things. We had one, there was like one perfect weekend that was going to work to shoot the movie. Um, yeah, so there was just no way to finish the crowdfunding campaign. Like yeah, before yeah. we shot the movie. So we started a little bit before, but you know, we went ahead and and shot the movie while the campaign was still happening. So, yeah, it's no, it's impressive because I, I, I like from what I understand, I know another. So I always use this example in classes and stuff. There is a movie that I know called Alaska. The movie I don't know what the movie's about. I could not tell you, but I know from the social media because they chart a bit like yours. They chart every yeah. different stage. You get real behind the scenes stuff you would never have thought of. But yeah. I know that they had run a crowdfunding thing. I think at the time they were looking for sixty four thousand or something like that, which they made. But the girl who, the director, the lady who runs it, she ended up doing kind of ebooks on how to do campaigns. She does a lot of YouTube videos. But that's the yeah. one thing I took away from. I was like, because you would often think, oh, you know, you do a video, you send out a couple of posts, and it's done. But I mean, it's it's really hard work. And apparently, if if unless you have, from what I know, unless you have a team, yeah. like a, or someone like you, if you try to do it on your own, your reach is so short. So you need kind of a team. You need people to kind of be able to spread out as far as you can possibly go. But I just thought it was interesting because that's, to me, I, would, I wouldn't have the bandwidth with everything that I do. I wouldn't have the bandwidth to take on something like that. But, um, yeah, uh, I, and the mental fortitude, I just, I clo- like, I, I couldn't plan that far ahead. But no, it's impressive that you were able to do it and you were able to get it so quickly. And did you notice you know, the, the peaks and troughs for that? You do it in the first three weeks. It's like, we're doing really well. The first two weeks and then it kind of dips. And you're like, we're not going to make it. And then it rockets towards the end or was it a gradual? Yeah. It was just kind of all over the place. Um, some days we were way above the target. Some days we were below. If you look at like kind of a daily amount you need to raise. So kind mm. of all over the place. Um, 
but you know, I knew I was confident we would get there one way or another. Uh, yeah, well, and, we, and we did. So half the battle, you know, you know, you're gonna yeah. get there. You put in the work, but no, that's right. really impressive. I just, it's just, it's impressive that you. I just find it great that you kind of picked up your phone after years and were like, I'm gonna to. But you seem to have structures around, and you seem to have a plan, and you're moving forward. Have you got a plan for after Mason J? Have you got another movie in the pipeline? Not yet. I mean, we're still just trying to finish this one and see, you know, what happens here. It's interesting. I mean, this is a very, very different movie than Alex and the Firefly. Yeah. So uh, this one, we really wrote consciously with the idea of, okay, what will really get viewers excited, interested, and festivals interested as well. That's why it's it's about 10 minutes in length, right? Okay, this is the, you know, perfect length for film festivals. It's different. Um, we, you know, put the screenplay out to some contests before we produced it. Nice. So we yeah. already got traction with the screenplay. So we're like, okay, we know the screenplay is good because uh, it won some awards, got some, you know, short lists on some different screenplay contests that are notable, like Blue Cat uh, was a quarter finalist on there and some other ones. Um, so we know the screenplay is good. We worked really hard on the script. And then, you know, we've got it coming out. We feel like we've got a product that's really good for festivals. No, that's really, really good. And it's, um, it's, it's also the content is what it's about. Because a lot of people kind of, it's, not, it's light. I'm not saying necessarily it's a comedy, but it's light. And a lot of people, right. um, that, there's a, that, that sort of lightness is missing a lot from festivals where you tend to get... Right really heavy material I'm, i can't speak for every festival i can just speak from my own experience uh, we tend to get very heavy material and then every once in a while like something like comes along and it becomes something that you want to program you want to see audiences really respond to because it's light and it's entertaining and it's such a contrast to everything that's come before it because a lot of people just kind of go i'm gonna make a horror movie or i'm gonna make like a gritty drama and and, and comedy and lightness is is, is hard and um, but if you do it you stand out from the crowd because it, it, it we're, you're sort of bereft of, of those things. And I still remember, like, we get a lot of submissions for festivals, but it's the, I think I mentioned this before in another one, there was one that we got in called Napchat. And I remember it so well, because basically it was like one minute long and it was the director talked to his sleep. And what he did was he recorded the audio. He recorded himself talking in his sleep and then he turned it into a script for a movie. So one character is talking normally and the other character is just, speaking what he says in his sleep I and mean, it's using the audio from his from when he's asleep but it, it ends up being a very funny very random minute of of of, of comedy do you know what i mean that yeah. is easy to yeah. program and it fits it, it stands out from everything else you're getting so it's just interesting if you're going to go with light it's a really easy way for it to stand out from um uh, from right. the crowd yeah because you want something that's memorable right because yeah. there's so much heavy stuff that it's like okay you know maybe it looks nice but then you forget about it instantly because you know, yeah. there's nothing super memorable about it. I know. And I remember, actually, I remember a specific short that came through. I won't say which one it was, just in terms of running time and content. And I remember it was 20 minutes long. And it was in our first year we ran the event. And it was one of the only longer submissions we got. So we showed it. It was 20 minutes long. But you could, you got the impression that they, they wanted to make something along the lines of, say, like Seven or Zodiac or something like that. But they landed in this weird number where it was like, not too long and not too short, but you could feel the audience. You, you could literally feel the five minutes extra. The audience were just kind of like shuffling in their seats and stuff like that. So it was a weird thing, but it was also very heavy. And it was just the two of them combined. And I remember it for that reason. I was just thinking, God, it would be nice if it was tight and short. And you're just almost crying out for levity every once in a while. But based on the submissions and stuff that have come through this year, you're starting to see more and more people kind of 
taking a different approach. But there is still your your and there is a place for kind of heavy drama and stuff like that. It's just that when when you when 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 ninety percent or eighty percent of the stuff that you get is heavy, when something like Mason J comes along, you're like, oh my god, yeah, that stands out and jumps straight to the top of the the list. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, um, and, and drama is hard to do well, right? Because drama yeah. is like one of the quick giveaways of poor acting, right? Because if yeah. you have actors that do drama poorly it's going to come across as corny and not realistic. And that was a hard thing on Alex and the Fireflies. We did have a lot of drama. I mean, there were some light moments and some comedic mm. moments, but we did have a lot of drama. And it's like, if we didn't have really strong actors, this is going to come across as like a screwball, yeah. ridiculous comedy, yeah. which it's not trying to be, you know? So it's acting is, is you know, I, I read something recently that like 50% of directing is casting and, Definitely yeah. true because you got to have really good actors to start with. And how was how was the casting process for the two leads on Mason and Jay? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So um, it was you know we didn't have a huge pool to start with because we're looking for very young actors. Yeah, in a, you know in the Kansas City metro area. So I, I'd say we had about twelve people come and audition, and we auditioned them in different pairs. So we had, you know, different ones try out for Mason, different ones oh, try out for you, Jay. Yeah, but, you chem- you, you got to get that chemistry just yeah, right. Yeah, we got to get the chemistry right. Yeah. So we auditioned them in pairs and different combinations to find the one that worked. Nice. And do you like, as a, like, do you like which, do you like working with actors? You know, some people, sometimes people don't. But, you know, some people are, some, sometimes directors, some directors are a little bit hands off. They're more technical. I personally always love working with actors. I prefer working with actors than the technical side of it. I always just like um, kind of engaging and talking to actors on set and stuff like that. But I was always just curious because some people, um, I know some people who are just very technical and and would treat, sometimes treat actors almost like human props. And you're like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know people who who would have done that. But um, Yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, no, I definitely like working with actors. But for me, so these last two movies, I both shot them myself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that balance between the personal and the technical side. Um, you know, and the hard thing is like when you're shooting, you don't have as much time to be with the actors mm-hmm. and to get that, you know, because you have got to balance the technical side as well. So that's that's the one that's the one challenge, See. kind of balancing both of those I'm, things. you worked with like younger actors for the last yeah. two movies. Uh, yeah, which I tell you never to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. And you went straight for it. broke that rule. So yeah. Um, yeah, and how did you find that whole experience? So the the one advantage, I would say, you know, they mm-hmm. say don't work with kids because it's hard. But the other thing is, like, if you think about, you know, because a lot of filmmakers are not in Hollywood, they're not in New York, right? They're in other cities and other towns, right, where the talent pool may be smaller, right? Mm-hmm. But if you think about the most talented people in your area are going to be younger people, right? Because if they're super talented... You know, yeah, they're older. <laughs> yeah. They have left already, right? Yeah, yeah fair so, enough. Like, look you at actually it, yeah. have really strong talent pool of young people if you can if you can tap into it yeah. and figure out how to get you know get them excited. So you know, we found really great talent in both films uh, because they're not here. But you know, if you look at Alex and the Firefly, I mean, two of those actors have already moved out to LA. Yeah, <laughs> so nice. it just goes to show you, right? You that, just caught them. You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to catch them at the right time before they leave. Nice. And were you, were you like, was it an open casting type thing you did or for the latest one for Mason J was it kind of an open casting call and you'd listen to anyone and everyone or were you kind of working through yeah. agencies and stuff? So we went through agencies. There's like three or four big agencies in Kansas city for both movies. We sent out uh, a call. We sent out a script. We asked for video submissions back yeah, fair enough, and yeah. then we pared that down to the people we wanted to come in and read, uh, in person for us. And what so was the total, what was the total number of, of kind of people? 
I mean, I'd say like I think we had twice as many video submissions as people we had come in and read. Oh, okay, fair enough. I just for Mason and Jay. I just I remember again not naming any names. I remember I worked with a director a long time ago, and he was casting. We were doing the whole casting process, and I remember. He just, there was a young girl there and he kind of went, he literally went in front of everyone. He went, you were great. You weren't great. I don't need you. I don't need you. And, and we were like, yeah. And we were like, what? And we had to take him into the room. I was like, you can't do that. Like, do you mean? Yeah. But he was literally like, you, you can go home. I don't need you for the rest of the day. You can stay maybe. And I was like, you've got him right. in the room and you're he's just like pitting them against each other. But um, it was just a very strange experience. But uh, no, that's really great. So, so when do you think you'll have Mason J wrapped up and, and good to, and good to show the world? Hopefully very, very soon. We made um, some minor tweaks the last couple of weeks, uh, just tightening up a couple of the shots. And when you do that and the music is already finished, there was a couple little places where we need the music to be slightly retimed. Yeah. Um, just a couple of the cues. And then we're adding a cue we didn't have before just to, to try to um, layer in some additional music in one area. So it should be a couple of weeks. Um, but these things, you know, when you're working with, you know, our post-production folks are spread out all over the place. So mm -hmm. our composers in California, our sound designers in Wisconsin, <laughs> our visual effects guy is in Sweden. I'm oh, in nice. Kansas City. So like yeah. any minor tweak we have, if it involves all four people, it just Every, takes a little bit of extra time, yeah. right? Because everybody has to redo some piece of what they did. Um, so we're, we're very close though, very close. Nice. And do you, so think I, some, do you think sometimes it would be nice to be able to just sit next to somebody and be like, or just do it. Did, yeah, yeah, you know, because I know sometimes people yeah, work, work remotely just really want like there's a, a benefit. Sometimes you just really want to sit in a room because sometimes creativity sparks from that as well when you're sitting there together and you're sure. like, oh, we didn't try this, try that, and we'll see. But um, hey, listen, yeah. if it works, I mean, it works. Yeah, it is hard, right? Because if I ask my sound designer to tweak an effect, you know, she goes and tweaks it and then sends it back to me, and then I have to listen to it. Versus if I was just sitting there next to it, she could just hit play, and I could be like, okay, let's well, fix it a little bit more or something, yeah. you know. So oh, but maybe, like maybe, maybe if you're looking at a positive way, you're less likely to kind of, hey, try this, try that. The, the changes you're making are more kind exactly. of thought through Very and stuff straight. like that. Yeah, because you don't, you don't end up being like, why don't we try adding in this noise? Just see what it sounds like, and you'd lose a yeah. lot of time. And um, so there's right. a positive to that. But um, right. no, that's great. So when you, you plan to have this wrapped up and then you're going to run the festival circuits and you're going to get out there and kind of show the world what it is. Well, um, that's great. I'm going to, I, we'll, we'll, um, be sure to send on a or something, a copy or something. I'd love to be able to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, when it's done, uh, it'd be very interesting. Because yeah. I'm still, I'm going to watch that clip again because I literally was leaning into my phone, going, "What is that thing? And how did he do that? Because it looks really, really, yeah. really impressive." Oh, but, thank um, you, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. And I'll share posters and share links and things like that when you are ready to share with the world. And yeah, uh, absolutely. I direct people to our website, and you can read a little bit about both movies. Um, you can buy Alex and the Firefly if you're interested to to own it. Um, it's for sale. We've got posters for sale um, for both the movies as well. Um, our poster for Mason and Jay, uh, please do share because I think it's great. It's really good. Um, we, had, yeah. we had an artist do it in the style of Drew Struzan, who did all of the Star Wars posters. And yeah, he it's Jones, got that, that kind of thing. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's it's uh, it's fun. It's it's going to be a fun movie. You know, it appeals to um, people who are young at heart. It's going to go after that sci-fi audience. There's a ton of sci-fi references in the movie, so it'll be nice. fun for people to, to try to spot those. And it was shot on a film, so on an iPhone. So we've got yeah. a few different ways to, to go after festivals and audience members. Cool. So we're excited, I'll be to, excited to share it with people. Interesting scene. Okay, cheers, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Appreciate thank you. you having me. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. 
There you have it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, very, very interesting interview with John there. Um, learned tons. Uh, hopefully you did too. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, and hopefully you'll ch- join us again next week. We have a, a couple of more uh, very, very interesting guests uh, coming up. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on that. Um, and if you want to find out more about us, uh, check us out at the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival, Dubsmart FF uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks, guys. Bye.